blank space magazine. We visit designers to find out why they do what they do. My name is Hannah. And my name is Luke Andrea. We're both designers, not necessarily of products, but more of systems, spaces, and other ways of telling meaningful stories. For Blank Space magazine, we interviewed Forma Fantasma. Forma Fantasma is a design studio duo based in Amsterdam and composed of Andrea Trimarchi and Simone Faresin. The name of the studio speaks about their way of working. Translated from Italian as ghost shape, it puts an emphasis on the design process instead of its final form. We find that what makes Forma Fantasma so appealing is their commitment to both beauty and storytelling, rooted in an interest for natural materials and their social-historical legacy. The two designers have been appointed heads of the Geodesign Master Department at the Design Academy Eindhoven, and they are very interested in pushing the agency of design outside its traditional field. We are sitting with them in their studio in Amsterdam. Uh, this is our studio, but it's also the place where we live. I guess it feels very informal. Um, you know, when we work, we, we like to feel that the space is similar to a home, even if it is still a working environment, of course. But um, we like this informality and spending the time and space together with the other guys in the studio and uh, cooking together, having a dog barking on the back. <laughs> and how about the atmosphere? It's a bit earthy and we have a lot of plants, uh, both inside in the main studio and here. Uh, we, li- we like plants and we have lights, a lot of light. Also in the main studio we have like a, a um, glass ceiling. And I think that's probably what we love the most about the space, the zenithal view that makes this very, you know, warm lighting. Among the beauty of the workspace and their products lie a lot of ideas on how to reshape the world of design. This is clear in their two latest research projects, called Orstream and Cambio, which looks respectively into electronic waste and the timber industry. We see them questioning the role that design has in society. More designers work towards the new world, where systematic and societal change are at stake. Sometimes this process can take your practice far away from the traditional market value of design. That's why we want to find out the answer to the question how to be a designer in the new world, what does it look like, and how can it exist? We started the interview with a big question. Why do you design? Oh, gosh. This is a very good question, a very difficult one. Um, I guess I need to, to respond to that question, I need to think back to when I was very young and I started to be interested in design. And I was in uh, art education when I was around 16. And I got to know design as a discipline, which I wasn't aware it existed before. You know, somehow you grew up thinking that objects somehow spring from somewhere without the work of anybody. Um, For some reason, that fit me very much. And I think over the years, it grew as a much more um, self-aware decision to take care of design even if i have to say that there was a moment also of my life that i was thinking to give up on three-dimensional design or product design let's call it in that way um and then i met andrea and then we started talking about several other things uh we we started to you know being together as a couple we started talking about life in general we 
started collecting objects, we started visiting exhibitions. And through living together, we quickly realized that what everything we were talking about was about design. So it means that design speaks to us in the sense that it's so much a discipline rooted in in the life of uh, everyone. And it, but it is also about politics, it is also about economy, it is also about ecology, it is about all those things that for us are relevant. And this um, tentacular structure of design and the implications of design that are so um, constantly expanding is what makes the discipline extremely exciting. My experience was a bit different uh, than the one of Simone. I think as soon as we started to work together, in any case, we, we got immediately interested and clear on what we wanted to do. But before meeting Simone, I was still a bit navigating the uncertainty of when you are young. So I was interested in art and in architecture. So for instance, before studying in Florence, at this year where we met, we I studied in architecture. And so I did Uh, one year and a half of architecture because I thought it was I wanted to become an architect but um, probably the proximity that you can have with object make um, make the discipline of design much more interesting you know of course architecture can also shape your behavior but design make it even more because it's something that you you know you touch every morning like the cup where you are living or you're, you're using or you know the the trouser you are also dressing too I mean of course it's fashion design but still the design discipline, so the one that is much more related to the humans, um, speaks more, at least to me. When Andre and Simone started to work together, things became more clear on what they wanted to do. We asked them to describe this. Well, even when we started, we were like doing some work together as a joke, almost like as a game during the evening. We were doing photos and and already since the first moment we decided the name weirdly enough so we had already this kind of programmatic attitude and um and design academy helped shaping it yeah the master program was very important for us um because we were coming from a much more traditional design education um that it was much more about Um, I'm, of course, I'm simplifying now, but it was much more about creating tools for industry in a way. And uh, we struggled with that because we were uh, studying in Florence because the, the school was initially founded there because in the 70s there was radical design and, and the way of approaching design was indeed extremely radical. But then it was around 2000 and after the, from the 90s on, I think design in Italy was somehow quite boring and we had a feeling that in the Netherlands it was a generation that had a voice more than in Italy and when we came here we could explore our own ideas about what it means to be a designer nowadays what it means to also put into questions the limitations and the possibilities of the design discipline and uh, and so for us it was extremely important yeah, for, to for us, the have this chance were, to study here yeah the question were interesting i mean i remember like louis hauenberg or heisbacher they were asking us like who do you want to be as designer you know like who, what's your ideas behind it you know um, they were really asking much more rooted and deep question about almost existential questions exactly then for us that was kind of finally the Uh, the right environment. Um, we were starving for it. Yeah. 
All our mentors, they, they say that they had this memory of us completely driven and with clear ideas. In our mind, it wasn't like that. Well, we were definitely driven, but not with so many clear ideas. But going through the process of education there was really helpful to sculpt our way of um, understanding who we are. In a way or another, like many of us, Forma Fantasma seems to have always been striving to understand how to exist as designers. Eventually, the important question is how do you actually carve out your space and role as a designer? They told us how this process happened for them. I think a lot of the way we are is influenced by the uh, reflecting on the ethical implications of the design discipline. So um, when we set up our own uh, studio, Uh, we had several models of designers out there working and you have the designers working for industrial design, for instance. Then you have designers that are completely self-initiating projects and they are interested in self-expression. And we found both extremely boring. One, because you have the, the designers that are designing for industry not questioning it at all. And on the other side, you have the designers that actually he is just interested in self-expression and I find it even worse. Um, and and so we struggled to understand where to place ourselves because we were doing works which were often presented through galleries or limited editions and things like that. But often the things we were designing at the beginning, they were totally non-commercial because they were either non-durable or too political, our graduation work, for instance. And um, But we were interested in exploring ideas. And in a way, when we started working as a design studio, Uh, at the beginning, we were actually just uh, not really thinking about, you know, how to sell, how to sustain our studio and so on. Um, but then over the years, we started to structure it more. And nowadays we have a part of the studio which is a bit more commercial and a part that is much more radical and research-based. And um, we are very happy with this and we hope to uh, to want part to become even more radical and the other one even in a way more commercial so they can help sustain the other and so i guess uh, uh, to go back to your questions what is our role well our role is a multitude of roles we are engaging in education and that for us is extremely important with the geodesign department but also also in other in other educations and um and uh, and our role i have the feeling nowadays it is also about uh pushing what we can do as designers, but not really the design discipline itself. That's the consequences. But first of all, we need to understand, you know, what can we do as designers? What we, are we interested in? And, and start from there. Of course, because again, we don't want that our work is a form of self-expression only, which in a, in a way it is also. Uh, we also, all the time also question what the, the relevance of our work is for the larger context of the design discipline and beyond it. Yeah, and for me, it's also a question in the format because um, at the beginning when we were working with a gallery and we are still working with a gallery, you know, we were trying to push also certain work. They were probably not so much into the design world because, of course, when we speak about art, I mean, art, they are like much more ahead. You know, they are able to sell videos. They are able to sell ideas or temporary installation. While for design, you know, you need to all the time come back to objects. Uh, and and we are still doing that. We are much enjoying a lot. But it's more and more difficult, you know, if you want to engage with a, uh, even museums, you know, the acquirable work. 
uh, or the commissioner's work, they all the time come for the furniture. So also when we had to deliver a certain project that for us were very, very important, like or streams or Cambio, then our recent investigation, sometimes the request is, okay, well, do your research, but then we want to have object in our archive. But then what, what if you start to work on intangible, you know, like videos or something that it's not collectible in the sense of um, materiality and then something that we are trying to challenge not only with the gallery, but also with uh, product design. So which kind of role we can have in an industry where not necessarily we need to design an object, but maybe we need to design strategies. Naturally, this made us wonder in what way they relate their practice to the world of art. Uh, we are totally not interested in me positioning uh, as artists. We are really not. And uh, our work it is about design, and we are designers. Um, I think what is interesting is that w whichever discipline you're looking into, you always find huge cliches. There's huge cliches in the art world. There's huge cliches in the design world. And of course, we are here to challenge those cliches. Um, for instance, often people are... Uh, asking us questions regarding the accessibility, which they mean actually buying our work. And I, and I find that such a limited perspective of what design is also because a lot of the ideas that are now out there in the world, they also have been contributed by artists and designers and architects. They, they, need, they never really designed for, you know, for everyone, for the masses. But those ideas have later uh, affected cultures and much more at large. I think that, for instance, there is also a very narrow-minded view of um, the scale of intervention that you can have and the time that it needs to filter through. What I mean to say is everybody, maybe my questions, yes, but you do exhibition, but you don't really influence the, the industry. But well, that takes time. And maybe we also realize maybe we are not going to be the one doing that thing. But maybe it will be our students doing that thing. So Or companies without asking as we... Or, we that, or companies without asking, yeah, yeah. To, and they use our ideas. Listening to them talk about the impact of their work made us think about how the collaboration between designers and other professions is often met with suspicion. What can a designer really bring to the table apart from beauty, right? We ask them their take on it. Yes, I think the the most uh, clear example for us is when we were working on Aura Streams, so which is this work about electronic waste and how it is managed in Europe but also in developing countries, and the complex relationships or non-relationships between recyclers, producers, um, NGOs, universities, and so on. What we realized is that there was a missing link between the parts. And so uh, recyclers were very happy to see designers going to see how they work because they never see that happening. And um, and we realized that there, there is a missing link. And also that uh, we as designers, because we also are involved with how things are shaped, we can easily um, see potentials and problematics. Um, also, I have to say that what is interesting is to see, for instance, uh, European Union doing a very good job in creating um, uh, regulations that are then distributed to all countries in Europe. And based on those uh, directives, the, each singular country develops the internal laws. 
And uh, it is interesting to see, for instance, how in their uh, documentation about how to manage electronic waste, the description on how products should be designed, they remain vague. While, while there could be very specific indications, and I don't mean really like uh, um, make it sustainable or don't use multi-materials, but really saying be careful with batteries. In like, I mean, I'm not going to be specific, but there's a, a lot of things we implemented in our work that gives clear indications of things that could be implemented, for instance, uh, on that level. So having designers participating in, that, in those conversations could be helpful to make even more precise regulations, uh, even for, um, you know, for how things are designed. It's about redefining the agency of designers. It now includes the context of their products, even the legislative one. So we asked them to tell us about how this affects the role of the designer. Well, in the way the example I just made, you know, it would be about having designers working on a more um, on the governance of things instead of on the materiality of things. Even if I still think there's plenty that designers can do also at uh, at that level, I think, for instance, that um, even in, in let's take the example of the most traditional design environment, furniture design companies. So we are really trying more and more to make make the companies we are in contact with understand that they should open up and do not work with an R&D department within and then they go to the designer and say like oh here is a tiny brief and then you design upon that I think designers should be involved in that kind of discourse so that maybe what we deliver is not only a product but it's a much larger way of thinking within the company uh, which I'm not saying that um, designers can do everything but we realize that if, there, if we believe that there is a role in, in design to shape things on a much more um, in-depth level, that cannot happen anymore if what you ask by a company is stay in your studio, sketch something, send over the sketch, we start to make prototypes. That's lame. I mean, of course, we can still do that. And sometimes you can design very interesting products. There's still a lot of potential, but... The potential would be so much more if you'd be engaging in understanding, for instance, the chain of custody of the materials that a company is using, if you could engage with their the distribution models and so on. So there's plenty that can be done, but so far, at least we have the feeling we always receive very narrow questions. For Forma Fantasma, collaboration is a very important part of their work. But there are different ways to collaborate. We were curious about how they reflect on their experiences. Well, I think it's much more difficult to collaborate with people, peers from the same category, like designer with designers, than designer with the rest of the world. Uh, and We are also much more interested in that. Yeah, exactly. You know, like when we did a work like Cambio or um, or Streams, but Cambio specifically, we we have been invited to do a curated show at Serpentine. And then we thought what, which, what was interesting was to take voices which are usually not part of the design discourse such as a biologist, an activist, a philosopher, um, uh, scientists working with the uh, anatomy of wood, and all these diversity of voices, they were helped to be joined by, uh, by design. And we find that extremely uh, exciting. Um, of course, in any work that we do, uh, it requires a lot of also of office work and contacts towards, uh, you know, these experts. Um, and not always it works out, you know. Some remains more superficial, some others, uh, they are a bit more in-depth. Uh, 
But um, generally what we saw is that um, in all disciplines in this moment, there is the understanding that it's important to reach other disciplines because um, I think more and more we have an understanding that that's the only way forward. If you think about what is happening in medicines and in biology, there's really like a completely different way of looking for instance, at uh, problems or connections within our body or how systems work in nature, that it's not about the isolated environment, but it's about interconnections. And I think that is also extremely important within education. And we should try to foster that. And for instance, in the third trimester of geodesign, we will have uh, Meredith. She's a biologist and conservationist. So she will come in as a mentor for the students in a design education. And I think this is particularly, um, you know, interesting and relevant for Design Academy in, uh, in Eindhoven, which I don't think this is very common. Um, it, I mean, let's be clear, this is not new. You know, if we think about the Black Mountain College or other educational experiences, even within Bauhaus, there was this attempt of making uh, multidisciplinary discourses happen. And I think it, this is the right moment to... To re-establish re that, I think. Exactly. Yeah. And for the first trimester, we are giving the research we, are, we did for Cambio to the students. So all the archive, all the contact that we had throughout the process. And then, you know, maybe, you know, there will be one of the designers involved in the education that will be interested in designing, you know, an object in wood, thinking about the ethical component on it. Fantastic. You know, that's already, for me, is a huge achievement. I think we need to stop seeing design as uh, something that comes from one author and thinking that as soon as we put something there in the world, and can be appropriated and disassemble it and... Credited and recognized, but yeah. then appropriated also by yeah. others. Before Cambio, they made Aura Streams, another research project with an ambitious scale. Their aim was to impact the industry that deals with electronic waste. In practice, it wasn't as easy as planned. Uh, the idea of challenging um, industry is something that, uh, I mean has been there since the beginning, even in a sketchy way with the first work we did. Our stream, I think, uh, it's, uh, it's not yet there uh, because um, we, we were not able actually to really get in, I mean, we get in contact with a lot of companies, um, especially people, the company that does like electronics, but we were not, never able to, uh, to work with them because um, it's too difficult, it's too big, you know, like when you go to a company like Samsung or Apple, you know, they have uh, the product um, facilities in China and then they have the R&D in London, uh, the material and finishing in Italy. You know, like with these kind of companies, you cannot do anything because they are too That's fragmented. Um, so I think the um, it's not a failure because in any case we are trying and we will try in the future to um, to take what we got, get from the project. Also, you know, also a light is an electronics and uh, hopefully in the future we will, you know, maybe we will design, uh, I don't know, a phone or uh, something else. So we can in any case take again um, that process. But um, I think with the timber industry, it's much more easy. And we see already the kind of response also from companies uh, it's very different. So I think that project was working on a scale. It was too complicated, I feel. But on the other side, we also feel that those two works, they um, they also for they are also for us almost educational um, 
um, I wouldn't say tools, but they they helped us in thinking, for instance, uh, about geo design, the department. So what we think it is interesting is to make also your work um, multi-platform and and approachable on multiple levels, so that you don't have to say, well, either I will work with this company or it will not work out well fuck it we can reapply it within education we can use it as a as a critical tool we can use it as a um even to design objects or to you know what i mean like it's uh, it's impossible nowadays i think to search one solutions we should look for a multitude of small solutions instead of you know focusing only on one and also i have to say something our experience for instance in the museum um uh, in australia the one that commissioned the work was called um the national, national gallery, gallery of victoria. victoria for them it was the first time they were engaging this kind of project and i think for them it was absolutely instrumental to break uh, completely these ideas of okay i give you the money then you give me the furniture so for instance this year they are working again on the triennale they are already um you know working with new designers in engaging in more a research project where that is not anymore the case of getting the object at the end but also they establish an award also in relation to electronic waste so uh, to to try to challenge the people they live in Australia to recycle better the, the, the electronics so in any case I think the work was instrumental for instance for the institution to have an, a different agenda related to design there's great complexity in large societal topics At the start, it can be quite intimidating. And as a designer, you easily start doubting yourself. Am I still doing the right thing? Is this worth it? After all, there are easier ways to design. I mean, the, the same struggle that you have, we have it every morning. I mean, especially in this moment, I would say that, you know, we have we finished Cambium, we are working on the iteration and other research projects, but then we are in this really moment like working on some commercial project and we are every morning we are waking up saying why are we doing this and then of course i answer to myself it's important to do it then we can you know uh in any case pay the people we work with and uh, you know have a sustainable in any studio case, we also love the works we exactly do. we there are also super nice commission but then that struggle will stay all the time for me what what is important it's what you said like questioning you know why are we doing this you know the ethic around it Listen, it is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have we have a clear structure in a way. So we have the commercial works and when we can, we, we try to make those good. For instance, recently we did several exhibition design and when we could, we're still doing a lot of exhibition design. We are trying to think in which way we can design those uh, installations in, in a way that is, for instance, is less wasteful. You know, it's not a lot. There's been plenty of designers working on that, but it is a way of um, uh, being preoccupied with questions that goes beyond the serving the content of the show. Um, Not always you can do it. That's also, exactly. Yeah. And then there are other works where we can be more radical. And then we have education. And I think these are the pillars for us. You know, we have our independent practice. Then one outlet is education. Um, and we hope this 10 years, because now we just did 10 years of studio, and I think the next 10 years of studio will be the, the, the moment in which we will try to bridge the most, the, let's say, the more independent, I would say almost theoretical research to a much more applied um, version. But if I mean, we can do that, and otherwise it will be our students or you guys doing it. We are close to the end of the interview, so we have to get to the bottom of this. 
Let's start with what the new type of designer is, according to Simone and Andrea. Well, for me, it's a person that is engaged. I mean, with a small ambition or big ambition, but it is engaged with the issues of today. That's it. You know, like they are not simply not thinking, you know, like it's really about it's simple like that. I, You know, if we get a, a brief from a company, it's like design a product. We don't even know the company. It means that the most of designers are not questioning that system. And of course, the big questions of today are related to the ecological crisis. You know, we cannot really skip that. It's the elephant in the room. And I think uh, um, it's interesting to see that there's a lot of um, journalists, people that write about design, but even designers that says like, yeah, but we have been working on that since ages, but not really, you know, not really. It's not about like uh, biodegradable material or, you know, the question is much more complex than that. That's also why we don't even often talk about sustainability, but we talk about ecology, which is a word which is much more encompassing. It talks about relationships between things because the productions and design nowadays, it's not, it's simply not sustainable. Humans on planet Earth are not sustainable. So the development of the idea of ecology is a much more sophisticated idea which also reconsider, for instance, the roles of humans on the planet, that reconsider relationship with other than human species. And there's a lot to do, you know. There's, but, you know, what I find it exciting is that if you think about um, when design was operating after the Second World War, you could see the energy in designers in that moment because there was a world to be reconstructed. There was, there was um, the joy to make the life really better. And for a long time, then design had to um, navigate the necessities of economic expansion, basically, and to work as a tool for that. And nowadays, in the front of an ecological crisis, we can either cry the whole day or also feel the joy of having in front of us the, uh, the realization that we have to completely change our way of thinking. And that is also exciting, you know what I mean? It is not only depressive, it is also exciting. We have the chance to really move on from modernism, and that's that's brilliant, you know? It means that the world, if it will still be there in 20 years, will be completely different. And and that's, for me, completely... Um, it gives me goosebumps, you know? It's It's just great to be witnessing this. After touching upon different scales of design, from single objects to large ideas, we were wondering if we could attempt a holistic approach. What is good design? It changes. It's never. It's never. It's never universal. It's never stable, and it's never even. Um, um, you know, like if I think about in the past, and I think about the rise of modernism, well. You know, that was perfect design for that moment. Then we realized that some problem came from that kind of attitude and the way of thinking. But it is very, it, I think a good design, it's, it's a fluid notion. Um, of course, there are some parameters that, that I think defines what good design is. But in this moment, to me, very, very good design is the one that moves beyond the necessities of the, of the user and think much more at, uh, from an holistic perspective, which are the implications of uh, design, the impact in the environment, the impact in the laborer, the, um, the impact of other than human creatures. So um, design is not just thinking about making humans happy. I think we concentrate on 
a lot on that for a very long time. And I think we have super spoiled. And I mean, let's be clear. We love objects. We love pretty clothing. We love pretty colors. You know, we, it's not, we don't want to neglect that. Absolutely not. But it is important to um, realize that that's just one side of design that we can do, that it's extremely important because it is extremely important because there's also a lot of ugly, unfunctional, lazy things around, you know. Paolo Antonelli always say the opposite of, um, of uh, beauty is not ugly, it is laziness. You know, like when there's not enough effort in, in, uh, to put in, in, uh, in the design of things and there's plenty of that. This brings us to our main question, how to be a designer in the new world? What does it look like? And how can it exist? How can it be? I think we talked a lot about the rest, but how it can uh, exist, that's a very good question, I think. And I don't have even a specific answer. I think education is one, but I don't mean all, all, uh, only in school, but it is also education of um, of uh the broader public outside of design, but even, for instance, the education of the commissioner in understanding what design is, what design can do. Because let's be honest, if we, as designers, we are narrowed down to uh, stylists, it's also because uh, maybe it is also our mistake, but it's also about the questions that we receive, you know. If we would receive different questions, we wouldn't be working on that level. So there is the need of education and what design is. And I think uh, schools, public institutions has a lot to do on, on that level. Journalists had a lot of responsibility. Yeah, well, also on a practical level, something that I think, again, I take from, from Paola Antonelli, that she, I really like when she was speaking about the idea of broken nature and the power of design to healing the nature that is broken. Even if, okay, maybe nature, what is nature? We are also part of nature. But the idea of healing for me is very interesting. This idea that, okay, what if now, you know, from this moment on, we don't extract anything anymore? We don't, you know, dig any more holes. We just, you know, heal what is there, what is broken. And how design can apply that into uh, this equation, into, into, in, into the real world. And the idea of like a designer as a tool of healing, I think it's a beautiful one. And that's probably what I see yeah. the design. Still it, the, the question, how to get there? Well, yeah, well, we, don't we, know. Are, we are here we don't talking know. about and it. I think we are all trying to find out. Yeah. Um, Sorry, maybe I do have uh, something because Sant uh, Alice uh, Rosson uh, or Paola told us like a couple of days ago, why don't you, I think, you know, design should be in politics. Uh, and I agree, you know, probably, you know, we need to be where decisions are taken. You know, it's where actually it's missing the most, you know, like um, our vision. Uh, so probably we need to be political. More politically in yeah, engaged, engaged probably. Yeah to work more as activists. Um. But not only, probably be, being in parliament, you know what I mean? Like, are we represented in any way possible? Are we not? So probably we should, we should be there. But I also want to say that, of course, this is uh, also this kind of attitude. It's not for everyone. So we also need to accept our own limitations. And, and uh, there's a lot of things that we could have done if we were becoming more entrepreneurial. You know, so like for setting up the companies, doing the things that we see other producers are not doing, for instance. But this is not part of our interest. So um, you see, there is this constant 
dialogue with who you are, what you're interested in doing, and mediation also. And I'm also really okay with that. You know, we, it's not that we all have to be heroes. We, we should just try to uh, do well what we are, or do what we can in the best way we can, in the, in the way we think it's meaningful. We would like to thank Forma Fantasma for welcoming us in their studio. Also, a big thanks to Blank Space Magazine for inviting us to do this interview. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>